Hi, you're listening to Earth Matters, bringing you environment and social justice stories. Today's show, The Vanishing River, Voices from the Darling, was produced in the Baikinji Nation by Earthling Studios and is broadcast by 3CR in Nam, Melbourne and around this country by the Community Radio Network. I do pay my respects to elders past and present and emerging who may be listening. I'm Beck Horridge. Thank you to Mark Merritt, who is interviewing Barry Stone. In early November 2018, Earthling Studios returned to Menindi to speak with Barry Stone. Barry Stone is a very fair Nyempa man, born in Menindi. In recent years, Barry's employment has been with an Aboriginal employment agency trying to find work placements for people in Menindi and Wilcannia. Sadly, he's often forced to recommend that his clients need to move away, away from their families and homes and off their traditional lands to get paid work. Barry is a community worker and also a civil rights activist. Being involved in many direct action initiatives in Broken Hill, Vulcania, and Menindi. We spoke at the Birkenwills Motel in Menindi. Barry Stone, you're, you're an Indigenous man. Yeah, Indigenous uh, background. My yeah. grandfather on my mother's side uh, was a Nyampa man. And, um, and you're born and reared Menindi? I was born in Menindi. Right. I know that you share yourself between Wilcannia and Menindi a fair bit. Yeah, I, through my work I was travelling to Wilcannia a lot with um, the employment agency. Well, I work for an Indigenous employment agency and um, my task at the time was to do Wilcannia, Menindi and Ivanhoe and Silverton. (laughs) And, uh, yeah, so I'd travel around those areas uh, on a fortnightly basis and uh, conduct interviews and such. So, um, I mean, we know that Wilcannia has hit the skids in the past, what, three years? Oh, longer now. It's, yeah, it's really, really suffered in the last 10. The water situation in the last 10 years has really driven the town to a point where it's going to be hard to recover because uh, so many good people are leaving the communities to chase work. Yeah. And the belief in the community is that the government is actually creating this by taking away the water and destroying the river system around there they're driving people away from the river. Right? They want them to move to the cities. That's the way it's going. Yeah, it's, it's just becoming a joke at the moment because uh, people are starving out there. They're actually starving. With the Work for the Dole program, I conducted an interview in Kenya that really stirred me up so much. It's that Aboriginal lad that came in. He was in his 40s, I believe. Um, and he just sat down in the chair across from me and just broke out in tears, just burst into tears, and I just like, whoa, what's going on here? So I managed to shut the doors and sit down and have a chat with him. And he'd been cut off the doll. All he was doing was going to Broken Hill to do his shopping, and he got cut off the doll because he didn't make a phone call to say, I'm going to Broken Hill. Why does he have to do that? Well, every morning you're supposed to ring in and say, yes, you can attend, or no, you can't, or, you know, you attend, attend your work for the doll activity. Well, the bus leaves really early in Wilcannia to get to Broken Hill so people can do their shopping, and they just forget. So you're telling me that the people in Wilcannia who are unemployed 
are daily monitored to behave in a certain way. That's right. You've got to make these phone calls. And a lot of people don't even have phones over in Wilkenia. They have hardly any technology at all. It's probably 90, 95% Aboriginal uh, community. There'd be 300 of those, I reckon, on the dole and, uh, in Wilkenia. Yeah, and they've all got to do a work for the dole activity, which has its goods and its bads. Don't get me wrong, I believe that everyone, if you get up at 8 o'clock in the morning, you get used to it. And you can get that rhythm going and end up, and you can find work, you know. That's the good thing. The bad thing is how they cut them off. Um, Eight-week suspension, eight weeks. You're on the dole. You're the lowest income person in the country. Cop an eight-week suspension with no pay just for not making a phone call, and that starts to affect everything you do. You can't pay your rent, you can't pay your electricity, you can't pay your water, you can't pay, you can't buy food. And this guy just smashed it. He just so, so that that takes us back to this fellow. He's been cut off. Yeah, he'd been cut off eight weeks. His wife's left, gone to live with a family somewhere, and he's losing his house because he can't pay his rent. And out of all of that, the one thing that really got me was when he said. I can't even go to the river and catch a fish to feed my family. I could not go to the river and catch a fish. There's no water there. Where's our water? What's going on? And that was what drove me to actually shutting that bridge off the first time. What do we want? What do we I understand that you were largely involved in, in uh, helping to coordinate that whole yeah. Easter uh, bridge blocking blockade. Yeah. The, the Easter one, yeah, that was the recent one. But the one before that was the um, when we went to Canberra to see Barnaby Joyce. And uh, it cost us like $1,000 a head and fuel, accommodation to get over there to see this man. And there was like 13 or 14 of us that went across. And we got there and he said, I don't want to see you. Well, I want to see you. You go off and see Mark Colton. He's your local member. Oh, really? You knew we were coming, but now you don't want to even know us? So we, we thought, all right, well, we're here. We'll go and see Mark Colton. And uh, we walked into Mark Colton's office, and that was just... The guts just dropped clean out of here. It was just gone. All around the walls was cotton farms, cotton gins, cotton, 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 and we just went... What are we doing here? We're not going to make any headway with this guy whatsoever. And the attitude we were having, getting from the government at that time, I looked at Murray and I said, we've got to do something big time and do it now. We can't wait any longer. This has to be got out there now. This government does not give one rat's ass about us, about the Aboriginal culture, about anything. All they're hell-bent on is cotton, cotton, cotton. And it's all about flood irrigation and how much money they can make out of it. They don't care about the environment. They don't care about anything. They're just hell-bent on destruction of the Darling River. I think that the destruction of the river is, is, a, is a collateral damage. Yeah, yeah. It's not their goal. Their goal is to get richer. Yeah, to get richer. And who's getting richer? Like as an employment agent, 
I'm seeing guys on my caseload here in Menindia alone. And um, these guys are farmers, born and raised Menindee boys, investing back into the community. Right, they're, they're hell-bent on making Menindee great. Hey, Menindee is great. Oh, yeah, Menindee will always be great. It was the first, first town on the Darling River. Unfortunately, it might be the first one to go off the Darling River. Businesses are closing. You can't sell anything. You can't do anything here. They're decreasing in the value of everything around here. It's just phenomenal. People are leaving Menindee. We had a 1,000 people here just in the community alone. We're down to 490. That's half of your population gone because of the way the river is run. You take the, on the other side of the river there, one guy I was talking to, he's on my caseload, should never be there. Shouldn't even be on my caseload. Should not even be on the dole. This guy's worked his block all his life. So he bought the block in 84. Everything was sweet. Water was flowing. Everything was good. Beautiful crop of oranges and uh, mandarins and... Now he can't grow an onion. The water level's dropped. The water table underneath the river, there's another river underneath the river, and that's dropped. So now that's pushing the salt up through the soil, which is getting to the point you can't grow anything. You've got to put a lot of water on that land now to actually get it to drop that salt level so you can grow the crop that you want. And this has been the biggest issue right now. And now you've got people that can't even put in a crop are now on the dole. Never been on the dole in their lives. Never depended on the government for anything except pay their taxes. So what did you tell this fellow? Take out a lawsuit. Take out civil action. (laughs) I told him, I said, you've got to take civil action here. This has got to be notified. This is... Tandow got paid out, or Webster's Limited got paid out $78 million for their water. They got $38 million, three times the amount that it was actually worth. So they got $38 million for their water licence and then a $40 million for loss of profit, decreciation in, in, in their lands and uh, future losses. But they're the ones that created the loss of profit. <laughs> Go figure. <laughs> this is Barnaby Joyce writing our checks. Oh, here's a check, 78 mil. Yeah. And then they gave them the water to finish off their crop for the rest of the year, even though they had no licence. So they made another $35 million on that. Thank you to Mark Merritt, who is interviewing Barry Stone. You're listening to Earth Matters, environment and social justice stories on the Community Radio Network. And then they gave them the water to finish off their crop for the rest of the year, even though they had no licence. So they made another $35 million on that. And then gave them the water that was left in Gorndilla for another crop for $35 million they made on that. So how much have these people been just handed on a plate? There you go, there's $150 million. That's yours, you can take that. You know, the government just hands them out. This is all coming from this $13 billion that was set aside to fix the Murray-Darling Basin so that the wetlands down in South Australia were kept at their natural. And all they've done is say, oh, we're doing a water saving plan. Uh, we had state water, the water commissioner, the water science fella, uh, the DPI came out here only two weeks ago and said, oh, we got, this is our water saving plan. 
we're going to build a bigger outlet on Lake Menindee and dig a channel across to the centre so that we can drain all the water out of the lake in twice the speed that it fills. I tell you, it's really hard to trust them. The whole thing is criminal right now. And look at the water theft, you know, how much water has been stolen by these farmers that we're supposed to be trusting because the government's saying, oh, trust your farmers, you know, they know how to run the system. And look at it. You just got to walk down there. We can't swim in that river. This is the poisons that these people are now pushing down to us. We're in, the, we're, we're in a little hollow here where the water comes down, fills up these lake systems, and then slowly, it slowly works its way down to South Australia. Yes, there is the word evaporation comes into play. Yes, there is a bit of evaporation, but we get that back. But that's good. It's got to be good. When I went to school, hang on, my science teacher told us evaporation is the start of everything. Creates rain, doesn't it? It creates rain. Rain then creates plants, which it, it's a whole system. They talk about saving water. Let a little bit evaporate because I'll tell you what, that's the only way we're going to get it back. <laughs> you know what I mean? And when they talked about the evaporation, now I pinned the New South Wales guy, uh, state water guy, the other week at a meeting. When he came in and he said, oh, this is the amount of evaporation we've had. And I went, hang on a minute, where's the seepage? You've drained the lakes. You drained the lakes. The topsoil dried, everything's dried right down. It's a 42-foot waterbed below the lake system. It's 40-odd feet down, so that water's going to come in, it's going to seep in, fill up that water table, and when the water table gets full, the water then comes above the, water, the, the ground level and there's your lake. Makes sense. Not very hard. It's not rocket science. But they're calling that seepage evaporation and that's what they're telling the world. The Menindee Lakes evaporates at two metres a month or something stupid like that. Hang on a minute. If that happened, it'd be dry in three months. It'd be dead, gone. But no, it's the seepage. And how, in long, that, how long does it last? The water... Left alone, it can last 10 years. 10 years, it's there. What about the theory that, uh, that they're looking for rare earths and mineral sand? Oh, Anything in it? Oh, yeah, that's been floated around for years. Yeah, and there is mineral sands out there, and it's t- high quality, and that's what they want. They want to mine them in Indy Lakes. This is, they've been working on right from word go. And then when the Cotton Growers Association came on board and, nom- and it put to the government, Oh, we need to run a pipeline from the Murray to Broken Hill. Then we won't need that water in Lake Menindee to pump to Broken Hill from there. So they're now they shut down the pumping stations. And once they take that, start that pipeline up from the Murray, it, it will destroy this area. It's going to totally destroy it because there's no reason to send the water down here. But That's they... what they're saying. They want to stop it at Burke, basically. Stop it there keep all the water upstream for the cotton and flood irrigators, which is just totally should be illegal to flood irrigate anyway. That's the, the plan, is to keep it all up north. They think they can grow everything up north. Hang on a minute. We had the best grapes in the world right here in Menindee. Best in the world. First on the market, Menindee seedless grapes. The best in the world. You can't buy them anymore because of what this government has done, or not just this government, previous governments too going back 20 years or more, have absolutely destroyed this area. 
Let's just say the government had a plan to stop the river flowing past Burke and that all the Lower Darling became dry. What would you call that? Would you call it ecocide? Oh, it's ecocide, yes. Oh, yeah, they're not only killing all the, the Aboriginal communities, the culture and everything there, they're killing all the fish, all the bird life, the graziers, the farmers. Everyone is suffering just because of cotton. Or not just cotton, I've got to say, it's not just cotton, it's flood irrigation. Total disregard for the system. I just want to ask you, because I know that you care about these things, the biodiversity in this region is unique to the world. The bird populations in this area barely existing. Some bird species have left the area already. Oh, yeah. yeah. And, uh, and, you know, we're talking about pippies, yabbies, fish species, birds and reptiles, monitor lizards and, and, and everything, that are under threat by this, by this behaviour of mining companies and irrigation companies. Can you just sort of extend to the listener an idea of the species that are actually under threat here? Oh, well, everyone's talked the yellow belly or the perch with the destruction of the, the fish species and the wildlife around the community. Well, you've just got to take the pelican. The pelican breeds at Lake Corndilla. Down in Box Hollow and all through there, you'll find pelicans. You did take away their water. Now they've got to go and find somewhere else to breed because... They rely on Lake Corndilla to feed their young. Can't feed them, they, they're moved on. What about the pippies? Well, or clams they are. Yeah, they, Don't see them. They yeah, they, um, yeah, they're dying all over the place, everywhere. And these, these are the filters for the water. They're dead. They come to the surface to get to feed and everything like that, and then they burrow back down, and they come to the surface and just die because the sun's beaming down on them at 42 degrees and they're dead in a day, you know. Um, and if you go for a walk out on the lake bed, you'll come across millions of them. They're dead everywhere. And, they're, and there's three different types of them. This is where I haven't heard of anyone mention the mussel. The river mussel, the lake mussels, they're a different mussel altogether. The river ones are longer, harder, where the, the, the lake ones are shorter and fatter. You, take, you kill the lakes, you're killing them. The yabby, that's an interesting creature in itself. They burrow down. When the water level drops and the water gets too bad for them, they either get out of it or they burrow down. And they can go down and stay down in that mud for 10 years. Live down in there in the mud and stay there just in hibernation for up to 10 years. The water comes back and they come back to the surface start their breeding cycle all over again. It's an amazing creature. Now, you take away that water, you're gonna, they're, they're going to turn to dust in down there. They're going to turn to powder because there's no moisture getting back down into them to keep them alive. And the shrimp do the same. The shrimp burrow down into the mud as well and hide down there and go into hibernation until the water level comes back. And that's why when the water comes back, you've got instant life. But the longer it's dry, the harder it's going to be for them to get back. So the more they keep draining this lake, the harder it's going to be. Yeah, well, the last time that lake was full, we threw yabby nets in, just to test them. Never got one. Not one yabby. The Menindi Lake yabby is, grows to 31 centimetres long. Beautiful yabbies to eat. They haven't had a chance to breed. They haven't had a chance to survive and keep their uh, system going. So, of course, they're just wiping them out. 
and they don't care. This is a problem. They don't care. These are people in Canberra, in Sydney, in Melbourne, in cities, making decisions on, on what's happening out here without even coming out here. They say, oh, no, we don't need that water. Drain it. It's gone. Yeah, don't worry about the yabbies or the fish or anything else. Now, if, if I go fishing without a fishing licence, right, I'm in jail. Bang, locked up. I could lose my car. I could lose everything I went fishing with. I could be taken, dragged through court, charged, jailed or whatever I'll find, depending on the severity of it. But they can just drain the lakes and kill millions of fish in one hit, destroy an ecosystem and then walk away with clean hands. <laughs> There's nothing legal about this, I could tell you. There's nothing legal. How could that be legal? It's a joke. It's an absolute joke and it's a disgrace to the Australian people, disgrace to the Australian government. And when you come down to it, we still come under, under the Queen's rule. It's a disgrace to the Queen. Have you ever considered writing to the Queen about this? I have thought about it, but I, I did do know that Beryl Carmichael just recently wrote to her. So hopefully that will spur something up because Beryl's got a little bit more influence. And so um, let's hope she actually gets that letter and reads it. Certainly got to, yeah, we've got to step over this government. You know, we've got to get rid of the National Party. They've got to go. What they've done to this country, and they're not even in power. What have they done? Get rid of them. We'll start all over again. It's just a disgrace, the whole government. Barry, you know, some people I've talked to have a strong suspicion that there's um, actually corruption going on about water in Australia, water trading, and what's happening here at Menindee Lakes. This whole thing is about corruption. A minute John Howard announced a $13 billion to fix the Murray-Darling Basin system. $13 billion has been stolen. This is the biggest theft in Australia's history and it's taxpayers' money. It's taxpayers' money that has been stolen here. It's your money. It's my money. I'm a taxpayer. It's been stolen for big irrigators, offshore companies. Everybody, upstream, upstream. If you don't have this to start with, <sighs> yeah, yeah, it is. It, it, it's a tricky one because um, we out here are looking at total destruction of the outback of New South Wales. Total destruction. There you go. You know, one of the points that I'm really, really going to be pushing, you know, understanding that if you have between... 70 and 90 gigalitres of evaporation in 12 months off these lakes, which is probably true, mm. that evaporation equals condensation and life yeah. in the desert. That keeps this whole region alive. This, whole, this oh. whole region, when the lakes are full, creates its own environment. I tell you, we get a lot more rain. It just absolutely creates its own little environment. And that's what we need to keep the system going. Take that away and... And you've got nothing. You've got a dust bowl. And the dust bowl's getting longer and longer and longer every time. Now, they should just put their water in the lakes and manage it, take away the word evaporation, because that word evaporation is the single biggest killer in which the government has been using to determine all the, all the works they're doing. They say, oh, it evaporates, it evaporates. They never told you once, not one single mention up until two weeks ago 
about the water seepage, which they called evaporation. They've been telling everyone porky pies. They've been telling the world lies. Oh no, it evaporates. It's not evaporation. It's seepage, which is needed for the system to flourish. You know what it is? It's Mother Earth living. Yeah, it is. You know, I was amazed the first time we shut that Wakanya Bridge off back in June 16, when uh, Murray Butcher and I got into it and decided that was it. We had 200 people come over. I would love to have had more, because if we had more, that bridge would be still shut. I'll tell you, we would, they shut our flows from east to west, uh, north to south. We, would, we could shut it east to west. That's what the theory was, to slow it down east to west, to say to the government, we are here. We are a people on this system. Not one of them come out to talk to us. They didn't want to know. They just said, oh, they'll go away. We lasted. Uh, and, you know, amazingly, Mother Nature stood up that day and gave us rain and the rivers and the lakes filled up again. A year later, we were back there having to do it again because they still hadn't listened and they drained the bloody system twice as quick. In uh, Easter 2017, we were back there to do it again. Why did we have to go back there and do it again? They didn't listen the first time. 200 people turned up on the banks on the river again. No one came out, no one came out to talk to anybody. We had, you know, river activists, but where were the government? Barry Stone, thank you for talking with us today no and, and, and sharing your experiences out here at Menindee. Yeah. This is The Vanishing River, Voices from the Darling. Interviews with real people affected by ever-diminishing flows along Australia's iconic Darling River. The Vanishing River, Voices from the Darling, is produced by Earthling Studios at Grassy Head, New South Wales. Executive producer, Mark Merritt. Field coordinators and technical assistants by Susie Peake and Kath Eaglesham. Interviews by Mark Merritt and Kath Eaglesham. Voiceovers by Sally Hook. Please write to us with your feedback. Post Office Box 30, Stewart's Point, New South Wales, 2441. You have been listening to Earth Matters. This edition was produced on the land of the Barkindji Nation for Radio 3CR in Nam, Melbourne, Wurundjeri country, and broadcast nationally on the Community Radio Network. If you'd like to get in touch with the Earth Matters team, you can email us at earthmatters3cr at gmail.com or visit our Facebook on Earth Matters 3CR Radio. And to listen to or to share editions of Earth Matters, you can find this and all the Earth Matters podcasts at 3cr.org.au forward slash Earth Matters. Look out for more from the Earth Matters team next week. I'm Beck Horridge. The music on today's show was by Tony Smith, the dying darling from his Darling River Man album. What lies in the shallows where I have just been? Dead fish and blue algae Still water gone green Weak banks that are falling Dissolving below What's this I am seeing Does anyone know Won't someone please wake me I'm not really here